0: But we'll just pray. Thank you, Father, um, for pouring out of yourself the spirit of your life into the earth, that uh, you come to anoint us with your life, that we can walk in the light of your love. I just thank you, Lord, um, that uh, the words today will be spirit and life to people. We don't come today with uh, fanciful words of man's wisdom, but we come today with the very wis- wisdom of Christ, the anointed one, that people can be caught up into your love, that their lives in this earth can be shaped by your love, that they can find themselves just experiencing uh, your peace and your love and your joy and your kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. We'll just jump right into these verses that we're going to take um, from we all want our lives to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 is where we'll pick it up. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he comes and says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not like a piety kind of thing or a worldly piety kind of thing where we've got to now get on our knees. What he's talking about is he's humbled himself before the mighty hand of the Father. What he's saying is he's seen since the Father come to give him life, he's now stopped trying to give himself life. That's what it means that he bows his knees. He humbled himself prostrate before the Lord. He's not talking about we got to get a kneeler out here and we're all going to come together and kneel and recite some things. This is what he's talking about. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, by, to be strengthened with might, by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I think everything that that I preach comes out of that. That thing right there. And, And Paul's talking about Humbling, being humbled before the mighty hand of the Lord from an individual perspective. He's talking about laying down, trying to give himself life, that he could have life from the Father. But he's also talking about the apostleship that he has. He's saying the reason why I've laid down my life in concern to you guys is that you guys might understand this, that you guys might be strengthened by, with might by his spirit on the inner in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you could be rooted and grounded in love and that you could be able to comprehend with all the saints the height and the breadth and the length and to know the love of Christ, which passes mere head knowledge, right? And it becomes an experiential knowledge where your life is shaped by the love of God. Is that beeping going to stop? Because it's probably going to pick up on the thing. Some, something's beeping over and over and over again. No, 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 you don't have to be sorry. If, if it just happens like for a second, that's fine. But if it's going to keep going, um, it might be be better to turn the beeping off or you could ter- turn it silent and do it. Glory to God. <laughs> I didn't hear. You didn't hear the beeping? That's because I talk so loud. <laughs> I used to think I was the only one that talked loud, and then I, I recently realized, no, everybody in my family talks loud. And so if you ever think, why does Greg talk so loud? You can blame all my family. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) They probably talk loud because of me. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's what Paul's basically giving you an outline of why he's ministering the gospel. He wants you to be strengthened in the inner man by the power of God's spirit, that faith would dwell in your heart, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith to the end that you would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, that along with all of the saints, the family in heaven and earth that is named by the Father, that you would comprehend the height, the width, the depth, and the length of the love of God, right? That passes mere head knowledge, right? But it's an experiential knowledge where your entire life is shaped by God's love for you. You guys bear with me one second. I got this thing locking up on me. So Paul says, that, that's what I'm, I'm busy with when I'm preaching the gospel to you guys. That's what I'm after, right? And he's given them um, something they should be after, right? You're not after some ministry. You're not. You may have a ministry, and a ministry might come out of you, but it's not what you're after, right? You're not after some money. You might get some money, and you might enjoy that money, but that's not what you're after. You might get a house, but that's not what you're after. You, you could get a lot of things, but it's not what you're after. Right, even the good fruit we could see born from our relationship with God, in the forms of ministry or uh, churches or any of that, healings. None. Of, that's not what we're after. What we're after is being rooted and grounded in the love of God. We're after our lives being shaped by that. That's what we're after, right? And I, I don't think any of us want to be want to be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of Christ Jesus, right? I mean, if we know God loves us. What do I mean by if we know God loves us? I mean, if we have a head knowledge that God loves us, I mean, if you pull every Christian and say God loves you, they'd all say, yeah, 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 God loves me, right? I mean, if we know in our head that John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, I think that we all want to experience a life shaped by that love, where it isn't just merely a head thing that we say, but we find our whole spirit, soul, and body just animated with the love of God, right? And experiencing the love of God in our lives looks like being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it looks like. For your life to be shaped by God's love for you, it looks like the fruit of the Spirit manifesting in you. And and guys, we don't want to judge our lives by whether or not we think we always, quote-unquote, feel the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Being filled with the fruit of the Spirit does not mean you'll never feel discomfort, <laughs> It does not mean that your flesh will never feel uncomfortable. It does not mean that you might never feel grieved. It does not mean that you might never feel upset about something. Okay, so you don't want to judge whether or not you think you have the fruit of the Spirit active in your life by whether or not you ever feel grief or whether or not you ever feel discomfort. Okay, what it looks like being filled with the fruit of the spirit is that when the life that's in this world presses in on us, the fruit of the spirit wells up inside of us and keeps us right from the temptation that's in the earth. That's what it looks like. It looks like when we encounter the death that's in the world, the life of God that dwells in us will produce the fruit of the spirit. And really, the only thing we need for this life is the fruit of the spirit. That's really the only thing we need. That's really the only thing we need. I know we think we need all kinds of things, right? But really the only thing we need to navigate this life is the fruit of the Spirit. That will answer everything that we could ever encounter. It works itself out in every situation we we could encounter, whether in our personal relationships, whether it be in our work relationships, whether it be in things we encounter in our lives, whether it be with our kids, whether it be... When if you have to deal with me, the the thing that you need if you have to deal with me is you need the fruit of the spirit, right? That's the only thing. You need. <laughs> That's why I preach so much about this, right? I realize people really need the fruit of the spirit to be able to deal with me. No, I'm 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 joking. Glory to God. Um, but where 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 can we find the love of God? I mean, where can we find it? You know, we call the message looking for love in all the wrong places. Where do we find the love of God? How can we see our lives anchored in God's love? How can we see our lives rooted and grounded in God's love? How can we see our lives shaped by the love of God? And really, what are the stumbling blocks to us experiencing the love of God, right? What are are the stumbling blocks? What are the things that try to get in the way? of us experiencing God's love for us. That's what we want to talk about today, and it's a personal thing for me because there were many times in my life where I knew God was my father. Like, I really knew God was my father, and I knew I was beautiful to God, right? Like, I had already come to, like, a tremendous revelation of the grace of God in the sense of of realizing that he'd never been ashamed of me, that he had never condemned me, that he was never against me, and yet I still felt tormented in certain areas of my life, right? I knew God loved me, but I was, ex- I was struggling to experience God's love, and I was struggling to experience his peace and his love and the fruit of his joy. I was in the place where I was still struggling to experience that, and yet I had been in the grace of God for some time. And I don't just mean like, you know, yeah, we say grace before dinner, I mean, I had gotten a revelation that life is not found in my own works, but it's found in the grace God has poured out on me because he loves me. But there were still areas where I just felt tormented. And, you know, what I did was I spent all my days trying to figure out what was causing me to stumble. Right. It became like a a game of hide and go seek for me. Right. Like the love of God is hiding somewhere and I'm seeking it out. Where is it at? Right? I know it's there, but how come I'm not tasting it right now? What is going on? Right? And listen, guys, I don't mean that I felt discomfort. We're not gonna feel discomfort like I just said, but I mean my heart and my mind wasn't at rest. And so I'm trying to find the love of God. What's going on? It became like a a game of hide and go seek. It became like hidden pictures. You ever got you guys ever seen those hidden pictures things where you're trying to find the the little things that are hidden in the pictures? The love of God was like that. It was like what did the kids watch? Elmo? Finding Elmo? It was like finding elmo for me where is the love of god when i worked at the finance company um, in colorado i used to watch this morning show and there was a segment on the morning show called where in the world is matt lauer and the the whole premise there was that matt lauer was always somewhere else in the world and so the segment where in the world is matt lauer Well, man, this period of time for me, it was like, where in the world is the love of God, right? Like, why can't I find it, Lord? What is this torment? Why won't my heart and my mind go to rest? I know all these things. I know I'm a son. I know I'm beautiful to you. I know you don't condemn me. I know all of that. And yet here I am still experiencing torment in this area of my life. Where's your love? Show me the love, right? Show me the money and show me the love. Right? That's what I was like with God. Show me the love, bro. What's the deal? And if, if we look at Jesus, and I think everybody would agree with this, and in fact, I've lived through many periods of my Christian life and conferences and ministries where we all would say, Jesus really knew that he was the son. It's an identity thing. He really knew he was loved by the Father. And that's a true statement. And, and The power behind Jesus' life is that he really knew he was loved by the Father. Jesus was fully persuaded of his sonship and he walked in the power of the Father's love for him. That was actually the strength behind Jesus' life was he walked in the power of the Father's love for him and nothing could move him off of the love the Father had for him. Nothing could move him off of it. Nothing could move him off of his sonship. Nothing could convince him that he wasn't God's son. And that was the strength behind his life. And I don't just mean the strength to perform mighty exploits. I mean the strength behind his personal life, right? To just enjoy the love of God and to just enjoy love with God or life with God. And so why was Jesus rooted and grounded in the Father's love? What what made that happen? Was it just because Jesus rocks and we suck? Is that why? I mean, when I thought like religion, that's what I thought. But then I, I kept being confronted with that verse about Jesus when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, good master, as if the thing that's coming out of Jesus is based on his own goodness or his ability. And Jesus says, there's one who's good. And what Jesus is saying there, the thing that you see manifesting out of me, it has not come from my own ability. It's actually come from the father and the father's love for me. And so Jesus being rooted and grounded in the Father's love wasn't a function of his will. He didn't will himself to believe. He, liked it. he didn't sit around and grit his teeth and use self-discipline to try to believe that he was loved by God. He didn't make an intellectual choice and then decide to stand on that choice. He didn't do that. It wasn't a function of the intellect that he was busy with. It was a deep heart persuasion that he had. And in fact, outside of a deep heart persuasion of the love of God, you're not going to stand in his love because if it's just busy with the head thing, man, you'll be moved off the head thing easy, right? You can be convinced of anything if it's only in your head and it's not rooted and grounded in your heart, right? And so the love of God is contained in something very specific and it isn't hidden. We just the the church as the body of Christ in the earth. I'll say the body of Christ because I don't want I'm not talking about us here, but the body of Christ in the earth. We just don't talk a lot about where the love of God is contained. And in fact, we look in all the wrong places for the love of God and we judge God's love for us by all the wrong things. And so we we struggle with it. But the love of God is contained in something very specific and the power to be persuaded of the father's love and to experience a life shape. By the father's love is found in a very specific thing notice i said the power to be persuaded there's something that possesses the power in itself to actually persuade you that you're loved by the father in the very same way that jesus was persuaded that he was loved by the father the father has done the same thing with us that the father did with jesus to persuade him of his love but Jesus' eyes knew where the love of the father was found and so his gaze was always set upon the thing that had the power to persuade him of his sonship, his heart and his eyes. They were always set upon the thing that had the power to shape his life with love because he knew where it was found and he knew where it wasn't found. Right. And so we we want to try and, and bring that out here. So we listen this upsets people when you say this. I love how Thomas Kiefer said it one day in the, in the question and answer. You say it's so radical and people get upset. He said, there's nothing special about Jesus. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you have to qualify the statement. Obviously, there's something special about Jesus in that he's the Messiah, right? And he's God with us and Emmanuel. But the comment that Thomas was making is that everything we see that came out of Jesus came from the Father of lights in heaven right and god has ordained that we could see the same thing about the father that jesus saw and that we could find in that the father manifesting the same life in us that we saw manifested in jesus now we're not going to judge ourselves by how much we think we see that life working out in us but rather let us just see what jesus was fixated on as he walked in the earth because guess what we'll find that it does the same thing to us that it did to jesus hallelujah (laughs) it will It will. Thank you, Jesus. I know when when I was seeking God all those days, when I felt tormented, I was all the time talking with God about my torment. Where is my unbelief, Lord? Why do I feel this way? I know all these things. I know I'm beautiful to you. What is the deal, man? Where is my unbelief? I heard him say in my heart, and I'm qualifying now, because so many times I say I heard God say, and people think you hear like a loud, audible voice, and they're like, I don't ever hear from God. You know how many times I hear people tell me that they never hear from God, and then within 10 minutes I show them how many times they've heard from God, right? There's maybe only two times in my whole life that I think I heard an audible voice, and it might just have been so clear inside of me that it felt like an audible voice. It's kind of like Paul said, I knew a man once who was caught up to the third heaven, whether in body or spirit, I don't know. Whether it actually happened that way or it was just like in my heart, I don't know. So I heard God in my heart, I heard him well up inside of my heart, and I, I'm asking him, where's your love? Where in the world is your love, man? Why am I tormented? And I heard him say in my heart, Greg, have you considered the resurrection lately? You know, at the time, I didn't know what he was talking about or why that was the answer. I didn't understand what he was trying to say to me. I, I just knew that's what he said. And so I started considering the resurrection more. It's not that I had never considered the resurrection. I mean, I had preached on the resurrection for years. But he was te- what I, what I realized now is, see, God was telling me that the, his love is contained in the resurrection. The love that I was looking for was contained in the word of life that manifested in Jesus. What he was trying to tell me, Greg, is that the power... To produce the love that you're looking for right now it's contained in the word of life and i still didn't know exactly what that meant right well what do you mean it's contained in the word of life what does that look like and so i just started thinking with god about the resurrection and i just started talking with god about what happened at the resurrection and what does it mean that jesus was raised from the dead and what does it mean that God's life manifested in the flesh of this guy, Jesus, and overcame death in his flesh. What, what does that have to do with experiencing the love of God? And so then God started unwrapping this for me. Some of you guys wonder why I preach so much about the word of life and why I preach against death so much. Just to give you guys some, some cliff notes, the power to experience the love of God is only found in the word of life, period. And the thing that works against people experiencing the love of God is death, period. Period. And so if you want people to have an experiential knowledge of the love of God, you come and preach about a life that has overcome death in the flesh, and you come and preach against the death that manifested in the earth that tries to war against people knowing the love of God. That's actually the only message. That's why Paul come and said, I preach Christ crucified, right? That's the only thing that can give people what they need. Remember, we already talked about everything that you need for this life is contained in the fruit of the Spirit. You might say, well, I'm a businessman. How's that going to help me? Well, when you're making business deals, if you're filled with lack and you're filled with fear and you're filled with lust, that's going to negatively impact the way you do business deals. But if you're filled with the fruit of the spirit and abundance and you feel no lack and fear is far removed from your heart and you're filled with love and joy and peace and kindness, guess what? You're going to find that you're navigating your business deals a lot better. Right? Well, I need help in my relationships with people. And normally when we say we need help in our relationships with people, you know what we really mean, right? We need them to change. (laughs) <laughs> let's just be honest that's normally what we're busy with right we're, we're never thinking of well man no I need the fruit of God's life manifested in me that's that's what I need listen I promise your relationships with people will will be heavenly if you find yourself filled with the fruit of the spirit right and you don't need them to change And you find if you're filled with the fruit of the spirit, you actually enjoy them just the way they are. And you'll forget that you even had a thought that they needed to change. Right? (laughs) Some of you are like, don't preach that brother. (laughs) I just convinced them they need to change. (laughs) I just worked it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so that, that's in my time with God. I've gotten very specific about the thing. And I'm like one of these guys that always ask questions. Where's your love found? What works against me experiencing love? And I got a real clear cut answer that the death and tribulation in the earth is what wars against us experiencing the love of God. And the word of life that manifested in Jesus is the power unto your life being shaped by the love of God. And so that's why I hammer what I hammer, right? That's why I preach it. It's like Paul said. I bow my knee to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom the family in heaven and earth is named. Meaning I submit the message I want to preach to the message I see that the father preached when he poured out the spirit of his son unto all flesh. Because I see that's the thing that will strengthen people in their inner man with the power of the spirit. That's the thing that will root and ground people in the love of God. That's the thing that will form the faith that is Christ in their hearts. That's the thing that will cause them to be intimate with the height and the breadth and the width and the length of the love of God. That's the thing that will fill them with the fullness of God. The fullness of God is found in his love. Now, you might go perform some miracles, but the fullness of God is not found in performing miracles. I love what Jesus said when they came back. Look at the miracles we can do, man. Even the devils are subject to us. And Jesus immediately rebuked that idea as if it was filled with iniquity. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. And then he goes on to say, don't rejoice that you can perform miracles or that the devils are subject to you. Rather rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Rather rejoice in the word of life, because if you're rejoicing over the miracles you can perform or that you can cast out demons, that's the foundation from where you're going to end up lifted up in your heart. And you're going to end up trusting in your own ability to bring forth life instead of trusting in the word of life. God brought forth in this man, Jesus. Right? And so John first, John chapter three, verse one, John really understood the love of the father. You know, you know how John's gospel begins with Jesus was in the bosom of the father. And when John says that, what he means by that is that Jesus was intimately acquainted with the heart of God that he had seen into its depths. You could even say Jesus was his heart. If You notice in John's gospels, John is described as leaning on the bosom of Jesus. And so as much as we can say that Jesus was in the bosom of the Father, that he was intimately acquainted with the heart of the Father, John was intimately acquainted with the heart of Jesus, the Christ the anointed one he had seen into the depths of jesus's heart he understood exactly what jesus saw and so you see john in his gospel and in his letters really unpacking what we're talking about here about why jesus's life was shaped by the love of god and how god comes to shape our lives with his love in the same way that he did with this man jesus we'll get to this verse later but you know in acts chapter 10 uh i think it's peter talking i might be wrong it might not be peter it might be paul i think it's peter but it, it talks about how jesus of Naz- how god anointed jesus of nazareth notice how he describes him as jesus of nazareth he's talking about the son of man there the reason why he calls him jesus of nazareth is because he's talking about a man whose earthly lineage came from nazareth and how god come and anointed this guy with his holy spirit and with power and might and so the same thing God did with Jesus, he come to do with us through the gospel and through the preaching of the gospel. And so 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner, that's the title I want it, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Some of us are waiting for the world to acknowledge our beauty. Like if we could just get the world to give us a stamp of approval. Oh, hallelujah. I hate to break it to you. The the thing that founded the world is against humans. The serpent hates humans. And he founded a system in the world that persecutes humans. So if you're all the time looking for affirmation from the world around you, you ain't never going to find affirmation. You only going to find the world all the time uncovering your nakedness and say, are you really God's son? Are you really God's daughter? What about this? That's the only thing the world will ever do to you. The world knew him not. It didn't even acknowledge the beauty of God himself when he came into the earth. God himself came into the earth. And the world didn't even acknowledge the beauty of God. But we're looking for affirmation from the world around us that we're beautiful or that we're okay. We're okay. It's like we sit around, am I okay? Let's take a poll from the world and see if the world agrees that I'm okay. (laughs) Who cares what the world says about our reputation? Who cares what the world says about how we look, how we talk? Who cares what the world says about any of that? The world didn't know him, and we ought not think it's going to know us. (laughs) Right? What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us? us that we should be called the sons of God so when John says what manner of love the Father's bestowed on us he's talking about Jesus he's talking about God having given us Jesus that's what he's talking about he's talking about God um, he's talking about the word of life that manifested in the resurrection of Jesus he sees that the very life of God manifested in the flesh of this man, Jesus, and consumed the death that was in his flesh when he was dying on the cross and manifested the life of God. That's what John's looking at when he says, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. He's talking about having seen the very life and immortality of God, having manifested inside of the flesh of this man, Jesus. And he's recognizing something about Jesus where he's saying, this guy's the anointed one if he's got the life of god in him he's been anointed by god not just with life itself but he's been anointed with life for the purpose of anointing us with life and that can only mean one thing that the father's love is filled with heart love towards us the father's heart is filled with love towards us so when john says what manner of love the father has bestowed on us John is talking about the Father pouring out of himself the spirit of his life on all flesh through Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And if you remember, John begins his letter by saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have heard, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. That's what John's talking about when he's thinking of, my goodness, I see the love this guy has for me. That's what he's referencing when he says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. And so you might think, what is the word of life? Because he's, that's what he says, that which has been from the beginning, this word of life, We've seen that thing manifested in the flesh of Jesus. And in seeing that manifested in the flesh of Jesus, it is screaming loudly in our faces of the Father's love for us. And so what, what's the way you could describe the word of life? You know, you could say a lot of things about it. Um, the way I would say it is at its base definition is the word of life is that the Father has a life in himself that overcomes death in the flesh, and the death that's in the world and he has given us that life as a gift in his son that's the word of life there the father has a life in himself what what, what ails us the death that's in the world what ails us that sin found an opportunity to manifest death in our flesh that's what ails us the thing we really need for our lives is for our lives to be over to overcome the death that's in the world right most of us we have a tendency to define whether or not we're loved by somebody by how they care for our lives right like we we say it all the time like the people in switzerland and the people in ireland and i don't mean to be carnal when i say this but those guys cared for my life when i was there Like, it was in the middle of the COVID starting to happen, and I had like a cold because I traveled all around the world and didn't sleep for like 36 hours. Man, and uh, Daniel and Gerda, Gerda's feeding me soup every day and making me tea with honey in it over and over. I mean, these people cared for my life like my life was precious to them. And I found something in my heart where I saw these people caring for my life, and it was like, what manner of love these people have bestowed on me that they're caring for my life, even though I'm here sick in the midst of the COVID craze coming about, right? They didn't kick me out. They didn't ask me to leave. Man, they nurtured and cared for me, right? And the kind of care our lives actually need is we need this death to be overcome. And we need the death in the world to be overcome. Well, guess what? The father has in himself a life that overcomes death in the flesh, that overcomes the death that's in the world and the word of life is that the father has taken the life he has in himself that heals us from everything that ails us and he has poured it out onto us as a gift through the anointed one the man christ jesus and that's what john's busy talking about and so you could to combine the thoughts what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that he has poured out on us the life he has in Himself. What manner of love the Father must feel for us that he has given of himself a life that overcomes death in the flesh and that overcomes death in the world? What manner of love is it that this guy must feel for us that he's come and given us of his most precious gift? Most of us, if we got something precious and rare, we got it locked away in a safe. How many of you think you have something precious and rare to you today? How many of you want to give it to me? why not <laughs> why not I mean we, we define how valuable something is by how rare it is right when we talk about a car and how well, va- oh, they only made 500 of these Shelby's and we're like that Shelby is rare it's valuable right or Tom Brady's rookie card how many Tom Brady rookie cards are out there well oh, it's valuable it's rare so we define a thing its value by how rare it is the fewer there is of it the more valuable and more rare it is well guess what paul come and said god the only immortal the only one possessing immortality in himself the only one possessing a life that can overcome death in the flesh and overcome death in the world the only one who has it it makes it the most precious and rare and valuable thing that's ever been hands down Now, how much must this guy think of us that he's come to give it to us as a gift, that he's come and emptied himself, he's turned himself inside out to give of us the most precious thing that he has? And he hasn't held any of it back. He's poured all of it out. It says Jesus was a man that the fullness of the Spirit came upon, the fullness of the measure of the Spirit. God poured out the fullness of the measure of the Spirit on all of us in Jesus. Why do you think it's called the Spirit of the Son? Whatever spirit you think God poured out on this man, Jesus of Nazareth, through this man, Jesus, that was anointed with the very life and immortality of God, through that man, Jesus, being anointed with that life, and that life overcoming death in his flesh and causing him to overcome the tribulation in the world, that God has, through that man, decided to anoint us with the very same Spirit. What manner of love must this guy feel for us that he sees so much value in us that he came and gave us the most precious thing that he has in himself. Mm -mm -mm. It's like a Jordan River moment for John when he says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on me. He's having a Jordan River moment moment you know when the holy spirit descended upon jesus when he's in the jordan river and in some gospel accounts it says this is my beloved son like it's for the benefit of the people around there listening but the gospel of mark comes and says you are my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and so in the jordan river god poured out his spirit it descended like a dove onto jesus And within that spirit was contained the words, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so when John says, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we have been called the sons of God, he's talking about the Father having poured out of himself the same spirit that he poured out on Jesus in the Jordan River. And he says that same spirit of life that the Father hath poured out on us, that he has emptied himself inside out to pour out on us, it contains within it the words, You are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And as we have intimacy with this spirit of life that the Father has poured out on us, what happens is because that spirit of life contains the words, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased, we find our hearts starting to be persuaded of that. It's like my parents. I just want to explain this dynamic. You know, when I was a kid, I don't say it's right. It's the world's way of thinking. But if my parents gave me what I wanted, do you know what I felt like? I'm loved. And what I wanted is what I thought I needed to have life. And if they gave it to me, I felt loved. But if they didn't give it to me, what do you think I felt like? They don't love me. I remember when I was 10 years old, we, I was on a basketball team called the Smurfs. <laughs> the coach thought it was a funny joke. That we would look so meek. Boy, were we mighty, though. We won all the championships, and he thought it was funny to call us the Smurfs because it would fly in the face of people's traditional thinking. (laughs) I love that man. That man was the most difficult coach on me I ever had. He was brutal. But I tell you what, I could tell that that man loved my life. And so if there's anybody out there listening, thinking someone has been brutal to you, someone has been hard on you, and you're confusing that with whether they loved you or not, man, that is a sign they loved you. And maybe they didn't get it right, how to work out that love, but that meant they cared more about your life than you could ever imagine. And I love that man. But I remember we, they scheduled a, a field trip for the team to go see, I think it was Hoosiers. Right? And the whole team went, well, I didn't get to go. <laughs> and listen, man, I'm 10 years old at that point, and I thought life, what I needed to have life was found in going to that movie with my team. Right, But there was something going on with the family. I can't remember what it was. And so my parents didn't let me go. Well, I did not feel loved at all. Because I saw that they were keeping from me what I needed for life. Right? And you see, the thing with God is, He knows what we need for life. We need the life He has in Himself. He actually knows the world doesn't have the life that we need in it. He's not confused. Right? But we could so many times look at whether things are going right for us in the world And think that means the father doesn't love us because we think we need these things to go right to have life. But God's seeing that he, he knows we need his life to have life. And so he's actually given us the thing that we need, which is the spirit of his life. And that's where the persuasion that we're loved by God is found. I promise you, if, you start set, if your gaze gets fixed on the spirit of life that God poured out through his son Jesus, that spirit will persuade you that you are loved by God. It will persuade you that you are the beloved of God. You'll find everything you were ever looking for to have life contained within the spirit of God's life. And you'll find yourself thinking like, John, what manner of love this guy has bestowed on me? That he has poured out of himself his spirit of life through this man, Jesus. Mm. If you look at, in, in John's first gospel, his gospel and his letters are all intertwined. He's unwrapping the same things. right? He talks about walking in light in 1 John. He talks about Jesus being the light in his gospel. And if you look at, in John's gospel in the first chapter, he says, in Jesus is life. He's not just talking about any old life. He's not talking about like a baby that's born into this world breathing. He's not saying, well, Jesus is breathing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying in Jesus is the life of God. In Jesus is the life of God. And the life of God that manifested in Jesus is a light to all people. That's what he's saying. A life manifested in this guy, Jesus, and that life came straight from the father of lights. And that is a light to all people. He goes on to say that Jesus is the light that lights up every person that enters the earth. Lights up every person that enters the earth. And what that means there is, is the life that manifested in Jesus is a light to every person that enters the earth. It declares the same thing to every person that enters the earth. And do you know what it declares to every person that enters the earth? The father loves you. It declares to every person that entered the earth, just like you heard the voice from heaven when Jesus come up out of the Jordan River, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's what the light that manifested in Jesus tells every human that enters the earth. I don't know if you guys realize it, and I'll probably cover it again later on, but when the, the Spirit descended like a dove, and, G, it, it, and the father said, You are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything yet, he hadn't gone off into the, the desert to be tempted. He hadn't resisted the temptation. He hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't done anything yet. His ministry hadn't even started yet. And in fact, he was waiting to receive strength from on high like Acts says, which was the word of the Father's love for him that was contained in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of his life that came down and anointed the man, Jesus, from Nazareth. And so the Father come to anoint all of us the same way. And so the life that manifested in Jesus, the life that manifested in Jesus is supposed to be a Jordan River moment for everyone that enters the earth. where By seeing the life that manifested in Jesus and seeing that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the spirit of his life, that we could hear the Father's voice saying to us, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. That was the power behind his life. So the life that manifested in Jesus and overcame death in his flesh, it's a light to all people. It's a light to all people. What does the light do? It illuminates your sight. It reveals things to you. And so John says it's a light to all people because it reveals the love the Father has in his heart for all people. It contains the power in it to shape their life with the Father's love. That's what it contains. It has the power to draw people to the Father, or to rather reveal that the Father has drawn near to all people for the the purpose of anointing them. Was it the Catholic thing with the baptism of the baby? They anoint the head? You see, John's saying... Because we see the life of God, that the Father of lights in heaven anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the spirit of his life. It tells all of us something. And the thing that it tells us is that God has drawn near to us to anoint us with the spirit of his life. And the reason he's come to anoint us with the spirit of his life is because we're his children and his heart is filled with love for us. Hallelujah. What about Abraham? Some of you think, well, no, no, no. God can't love you until you believe. You have to believe before God loves you. Let me ask you this. Did God call Abraham the father of many nations first, or did Abraham believe first? I don't think we realize it, but we think the power unto our life is found in, in our ability to believe. And we do believe to experience life, but the power comes from God declaring something to us first. And then we decide whether we're going to believe it or not. Right. Just because God come and told everybody, you are my beloved children whom I'm well pleased. That does not mean that everybody's going to grab a hold of that. As John would come forth and say in, in John chapter one to to all those who received. He says, so Jesus is the light that lights up every person that enters the earth. Jesus has revealed to every person that entered the earth that the father has come and declared that they are his beloved child and whom he is well pleased. He goes on to say unto all those who grab a hold of that word, they shall receive strength from that word. What word? That the Father loves you. The word of the Father's love for you is found in the life that manifested inside of the flesh of Jesus, conquering the death that came upon him at the cross, raising him up into a glorified immortal body that can never be touched by sin again. The word of the Father's love is contained in that. It's a light to all of us, declaring to all of us that we are his beloved children, and he has poured out of himself the same life that he anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with, and he has anointed us with that life so that we will also overcome the death that's in the world. And we'll find our lives shaped in this earth knowing and experiencing the love of God instead of finding our life shape in this earth. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. I promise you, if you're busy looking at what's going on in the world around you and what's going on in your life to figure out whether or not you're loved by God, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. The moment you get a good thing to happen, he loves me, he loves me. Then the next thing you think is, it's because of some good thing I did. It must be because I gave money at church. (laughs) Now your mind is filled with your own goodness instead of the goodness of God. We don't even realize what people have pumped us full of. The moment they come and say that some good thing happened to us because we gave at church, we're saying the power under the good thing that happened to us was contained in what we did and not what God did. It's crooked. It's the poison of asps. 1 John says, our intimacy is with the Son, and through the Son, we have intimacy with the Father. When he talks about having intimacy with the Father, he's talking about being intimate with the life that manifested in the Father. He's talking about we see the life of the Father manifested in the Son. We have intimacy with that life. That manifest it in the Son, and through that, man, we have intimacy with the very life and the love of the Father. And he says, that love does something in us where it perfects our hearts from the life that's in the world and the fear that's contained in the life that's in the world. Jesus is the Christ. Do you guys know how the scriptures talk about Jesus being the Christ? Do you know what it means for Jesus to be the Christ? It means to be the anointed one. You are the anointed one. If you notice in John 17, Jesus said, The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And then he says to the Father, In that I have authority over all flesh, when you raise me up from the dead, they will see that you're in me and I'm in them and they're in me and we're all one. And so for the Christ to be the anointed one, what it means is that the father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the fullness of the life he has in himself. He gave Jesus the spirit without measure. He gave Jesus all of his life. He come and anointed Jesus with all of the life that he has in himself. Now, he did that for a reason. And the reason that he did that was so that he could pour out on us, pour out on all flesh, his spirit, and thus anoint us with his incorruptible life. And so he anoints Jesus with the fullness of his spirit of life. And the reason he did that was so that through Jesus, his spirit could be poured out on all flesh and he could anoint us with his incorruptible life. I mean, isn't that what we all want? You want a life that can't be corrupted, don't you? Well, there's only one person that has that. It's the Father. And John says, I see that the Father came and gave me everything I wanted and everything I needed in this man, Jesus. Mm. That life is a light to us the life that manifested in Jesus is a light to us. And you know what it's telling us? The Father loves us just as much as He loves Jesus in the same exact way. So whatever you see He gave Jesus, He come to give that same thing to you. And you can go find that in John 17. Jesus Himself prayed that we would know that the Father loves us the same way that He loves Him. He says everything we're about to do And so that they might know that you love them in the same way you love me. That's the whole purpose. So the life that manifested in Jesus, it leads us into intimacy with the Father's love. The Father doesn't say, just believe that I love you. No, he manifests his life in the earth. And within that life is the power to lead you into intimacy with his love it lights up our lives with the Father's love for us as our gaze is set on that life. It's through intimacy with the life we see in Jesus that we are immersed in the Father's love. In our eyes being fixed upon the life the Father manifested in the Son. Overcoming death in His flesh, that immerses us in the love of God. It anchors us in the Father's love. It purifies our hearts from the fear that's in the world. Do you know why there's fear in the world? because the life that's of the world is full of fear where do you think the fear comes from it's really interesting the dynamic we create in ourselves we think if we can perfect the life in the world then we won't be afraid but the life in the world is the thing that produces the fear (laughs) we're so fearful about the life in the world And we're busy thinking if it could just get right, we could be set free from fear. But the life that's in the world is the thing that produces the fear. The love of God is found in walking in his life. It's found in walking in the word of his life. It's found in you seeing his life as your life and you start talking with God about what it means that he has given you the spirit of his life without measure. What does that mean, Lord? Let that if you're if you're struggling with it, you can let that be your prayer with God. Father, how does it set me free that you've poured out the fullness of your life on me? How does that help me navigate the world around me? Discern my heart. Discern my thoughts. I know your life is a light. I know you've poured it out illuminate my heart with the understanding strengthen me in this in the inner man by your spirit he, that's, what he's, that's what his good pleasure is to do that's what he come to do everything good that can come out of your life be will be born from you being persuaded of the father's love for you every good thing that's the only thing you need is to be persuaded of the father's love for you that's the only thing jesus knew we think if we can know this if we can know that if we can understand this verse, if we can understand that verse, all of the verses are only valuable so that they can convince you you're loved by the Father the same way Jesus was. If we look at Jesus, remember, we all agreed he was fully persuaded of his sonship. We all agreed that was the power behind what he did. The reason his life was shaped by the Father's love, do you know why? It's because he walked in the light of the Father's life. And what does it mean that he walked in the light of the Father's life? Well, like I alluded to earlier with John having a Jordan River moment. In Mark 1, Jesus has his own Jordan River moment. And Jesus is in the Jordan River. And the Father pours out of himself the spirit of his life onto Jesus. The spirit of the Father's life, Mark says, descended on Jesus as a dove. And as the spirit of that life was descending on Jesus, the spirit of that life contained the words. And Jesus hears the words. You are my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. If we could interview Jesus after that, we got cell phones now, and we all got our own mics. It's like after somebody wins a golf tournament, how do you feel, man? When you sucked that putt and you won the Masters. If we could have interviewed Jesus after he come up out of the Jordan River, and like, bro, what was that like, man? The spirit, the fullness of the Spirit of God's life fell down on you like a dove. Were you busy thinking of how powerful you were and all the signs and wonders you could perform what was going on in your heart jesus you know what jesus would say what manner of love the father has bestowed on me that he should call me his son (laughs) that's what john's echoing because remember john was in the bosom of jesus just as jesus was in the bosom of the father I alluded to it earlier, but you know when God said that, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't done nothing. He hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't resisted the temptation. He hadn't gone to the cross. His ministry didn't even start yet when the Father said that. That was the strength behind his life, the Father first coming and saying that. You have to first have a word to believe before you can believe it. (laughs) How are you going to be persuaded that you're the son or daughter of God unless you first hear God tell you? I can't help but read these verses because I love these verses. Because it will mess with your head about Jesus. Because Jesus is God also. He's the son of man, and he's the son of God. But Acts 10.37 says it this way. For those of you that like scripture references and you want to go read it. Acts 10.37. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. He goes on to describe it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed with the devil, for God was with him. (laughs) He's talking about the Jordan River and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the spirit of his life. And his life received strength from the words of the Father, you are my beloved son. He saw that if the Father has poured out of himself the fullness of the spirit of his life on me, It can only mean that the father loves me. It can only mean that I'm his beloved son. And then he walked in the earth with the life shaped by the father's love. The power behind his life was the father's love for him. He had fellowship with the father's love for him because his eyes were fixed on the life the father poured out on him. His eyes were fixed on the life the father had in himself not on the life he saw in the world. Imagine what Jesus might conclude about whether or not the Father loved him if he's nailed to a tree. If he thought the world was the father of his life. Imagine what he might have thought. So when Jesus walked in the earth, he didn't look at the world around him and weigh his life in the balance by what he saw there. He didn't see that the world was the father of his life. He didn't. He knew the seed that was in him wasn't the seed that was of the world. It was the seed that was of the father. He knew the seed that remained in him was the incorruptible seed that the father has in himself. And he walked in this world with his gaze fixed upon the life that the father poured out on him. And because his gaze was fixed upon the life the father poured out on him, he walked in the light of the father's love. And he was fully persuaded of the father's love for him. He was fully persuaded of his sonship if you look in matthew 23 verse 9 jesus says call no man upon the earth your father (laughs) call no man your father upon the earth this is one of those things when i was a little kid where i was like that's harsh man my pa is a good pa you know Again, it's like, my words are spirit and they are life. We miss the meaning of these things. And we, we try to put a literal context to the meaning. Instead of saying, what is he trying to say there? Right? What does he mean by that? Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Now listen, a father has a seed in themselves. The seed they have in themselves, it can reproduce after its own kind right there's genetic code there's dna in the seed of every man that possesses the power to reproduce after its own kind and so when jesus says call no man your father on earth for there's one that's your father what jesus is saying there is don't identify with the life that is in your earthly father don't identify with that life because Your earthly father does not have a seed in themselves that can reproduce an incorruptible life in you. There's only one person who has in themselves a seed that can reproduce an incorruptible life in you. And that person is the father of lights in heaven. And so Jesus is telling you, don't identify with the life that's in your earthly father. Don't identify with the life that's in the world, but rather identify with the life that's in your heavenly father, because that guy has a seed in himself that can reproduce after its own kind. And the kind of seed that he has in himself is an incorruptible seed. And that incorruptible seed will come and dwell in you and produce the father's incorruptible life in you. And as you walk in the earth, Knowing God as your Father, as you walk in the earth, having your gaze fixed upon the incorruptible seed that God has poured out on you, that will be a light to you that will cause you to walk in the power of the Father's love. Hallelujah. You know why I'm all the time hammering, don't look to the world for life? And look to the Father for life? Because that will cause you to walk in the light of the Father's love. Because it's the Father's life that persuades us we're loved and the life that's in the world persuades us that we're not loved. We're all the time trying to identify with the life that's in the world. We're all the time trying to identify with the seed that's in our earthly father, the life that's in our earthly father. We're all the time looking to that seed, all the time identifying with it, and the power in that seed can only produce fear. That seed can only reproduce after its own kind. In the life that's in the world, the fruit that the life in the world produces is the fruit of fear, And it can only produce fear. And so the more you identify with the life you have in the world or the life that's going around around you in the world, that life can only fill you with fear. It can only tell you you're not loved. That's why I hammer it. That's why I get upset when the shepherds of the flock of the body of Christ are constantly pointing people's eyes on the life that's in the world because that's the stumbling block to people being persuaded of the Father's love. The reason Jesus was fully persuaded of the Father's love is because he walked in the light of the Father's life. He didn't walk in the darkness of the life that's in the world. Mm. The life that's in the world that's you how know, so it said it didn't know Jesus doesn't know the father the life that's in the world the life that's been fathered by the world guess what doesn't contain the love of God doesn't contain it you can't find it there you can't find love from the life that the world can offer you you can't find love perfecting your heart and fear being removed far from you by perfecting the life that's in the world you can't it will just work against you experiencing the love of God the life In the world, it's but dust. It's only dust. That life that's born from the world. The life that's in the world and of the world. Do you know what that life produced? All the death and tribulation we see. The life that's in the world. That's of the world. That's what's fathered all the death and tribulation we see that we don't like. And yet we keep looking to the life that's in the world. To try to find life. Where do you think the tribulation and and death came from? The life that's in the world? (laughs) What do you think you're going to find if you look to the world to identify with your life? Fear? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Listen, it's a sketchy thing because all we want is to feel loved. And within that statement, I mean peace and love and joy and kindness. That's really all we want. And we think we're real smart. And so we immediately go about figuring out all the things that are in the way of us having that. Right? And then we try to implement a system to iron all that out. We think if we can iron it all out, then that will convince us that we're loved. But the thing we're trying to iron out, the, the dough we're trying to work, to uh, iron it all out, that dough is full of leaven. And it can only produce the thing that's robbing us from peace and love and joy. It can never produce that which can give us peace and love and joy. It's like eating junk food and eating healthy food. How do you feel when you eat junk food? You feel good? Why not? Because there's nothing good in it. There's nothing good in it. It can only give you what it has in itself to give. And so if you eat a bunch of junk food, it has a seed in itself. And the seed that it has in itself to give you is junk. It it tastes good. Hey, and listen, what I've come to learn is that everything is a sign and a wonder testifying of where life is found and where death is found. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil look good for food. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. So, yeah, there's a, it's not like we are actively rejoicing. Let's go find some death. Hallelujah. No, it looks good for food, man. When I eat a Snickers, I'm busy thinking that's going to be nice. I mean, when I, Becky, man, Becky used to watch me like wolf down whole batches of fudge to the degree that I'd have like sugar coma laying on the sofa. And she'd be like, why'd you do that? Because it looked good for food. I can't stop. Right? Like, I, I mean, I don't eat one or two pieces of fudge. No, I eat like 20. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Right? That, that, that's the seed that it has in itself to get healthy food. Why do we feel good? Because it has something in itself that produces nutrients and vibrance. It's the same thing with the life in the world and the life God has in Himself. They're both like a seed. The life that's in the world is a seed. The life that's in the Father is a seed. The life that's in the Father, within that seed, it possesses the power to fill you with the love of God. The life that's in the world, the seed that is the life that's in the world, within that seed is only the fruit of fear. And it only has the power to produce fear in you. And so the Father knows that. That's why John would come and say, in this the love of God is perfected in us. It casts out fear. What's he saying? That God manifested his life in the flesh of this man, Jesus, who was dead on a cross. Not only did God's life consume the death that was on the cross, but this man, Jesus, was anointed with the fullness of the measure of the Spirit. And that Spirit, it actually worked immortality inside of the flesh of this man, Jesus. And John's saying, we now see that life, And we're intimate with that life. And within that life is a seed that actually gives birth to the love of God in us. Within that life is a seed that actually will remove fear from our hearts. It will perfect God's love in our hearts and thus pushing out fear. There'll be no more room for fear to set up shop in your heart because the love of God will encompass your whole heart. (laughs) Right? Oh, glory to God. So when you, think of, when you think of life, and this is something I see God working out in me, I used to always judge life by what I saw. And the way it would happen a lot is what you see doesn't look good. <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize it. Psychology will say we navigate towards the negative, right? And then psychology would just say, well, positive thinking, that's the way. <laughs> well, since we gravitate, if we could just think positively, things will be good right but something i see the father working out in me is that i don't judge life by the death that i see because he's confronted me with the word of a life that overcomes death and so i judge life in the death that i see through the lens of a life that overcomes death (laughs) you see and i begin to say to myself well where does this life come from that overcomes all the death that i see that i don't like oh yeah it comes from the father Dang, that dude loves me. And now I'm actively experiencing the love of God, even in the midst of seeing corruption and death. Because I'm seeing the corruption and death through the word of a life that conquers corruption and death. And I see that life. I've been anointed with that life by the Father and lights in heaven through his anointed one, Christ Jesus. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me. hmm That's how God pampers you with his love. He he pampers you with his love through the life that manifested in Christ. He, He knows within that life is a seed, and that seed can fill you with the love of God. That seed will produce the fruit of God's love. And so the love of God is found in the word of his life. He poured out onto you the life he has in himself. A life that overcomes death in the flesh and that overcomes the tribulation in the world the reason he did that is so we could walk in the light of his love so if you're busy seeing some tribulation in your life don't look at the tribulation and put a period on the end of the tribulation but look at the tribulation in light of you having a life that conquers tribulation and think of the life that swallows tribulation I promise you you'll find yourself feeling happy you'll find yourself thinking about the life that overcomes tribulation And you'll find yourself rejoicing. And then you'll find yourself thinking, where did I get this life? I want to go thank this guy. This guy must really love me. And then you'll say, oh my gosh, the Father of lights in heaven has given me this life that overcomes all the death and tribulation. Man, you love me. And then your life is shaped by you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's how the love of God has its perfect work in you. He keeps showing you the life that overcomes death. You keep showing him the death. He keeps showing you the life that overcomes the death. You keep saying, what about this death? He keeps saying, what about this life? He's not indifferent of the death, but he sees the power for you to overcome the effect of the death and the fear that's in the death is found in his life. He sees his life as a seed that removes fear and perfects love in our hearts. So he keeps wanting to show us the life and we're like, no, no, no. What about this? <sighs> thank god that he's merciful on my soul because nobody did that more than me what about this can we get to that after we deal with this no 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 greg you don't understand this deals with that no 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 but how if we could just fix this broken foot all my hopes and dreams were wrapped up in this foot just fix this foot man He's like, keep trying to show me the solution. That's where the love of God is found. That's why I preach about the resurrection and the word of life so much. That's why I preach about death being nailed to a tree so much. That's why that's all I'll ever preach, because all you need, I'm so sorry it's that simple. I'm so sorry it really is. All you need is for the love of God to be perfected in your heart. Everything that ails your life is born from fear. Fear is born from the life that's in the world. You need to behold the death that is the life in this world nailed to a tree. And you need to behold the life that God manifested in the man Jesus. And that the reason he did that was to anoint you with that fullness of life. That's all you need. You'll find yourself functioning right. (laughs) You'll find yourself enjoying life. The first part of enjoying life is you'll be set free from all your religious calisthenics. (laughs) right that'll be the first part of you enjoying your life the next part is you'll be like man I just feel happy happiness joy is found in not identifying with the life that has been born from the world the more you identify with the life that's born from the world the more that life will fill you full of fear the more you identify with the life that was born in Jesus that was manifested in Jesus in the resurrection, the more that life will fill you with love. That's it. Well, how do I do that? Well, just keep hearing the word of life. There's one thing that you can do. Hear and keep hearing the faith of God. Hear and keep hearing the word of life. Within the word of life is the power to convince you. So you don't got to convince yourself. The word of life has the power to convince you. All you got to do is make yourself available to hear. That's hard, huh? That's painful, ain't it? I don't want to hear. I'd rather watch five hours a day about the political environment. I'd rather watch the news. It's much more interesting. I'm just joking. I'm talking about the, the, I'm talk, well, I'm talking about the structures in our world, right? Really, the only reason why we want to watch any of that stuff is because we're concerned about our life. We're busy telling God we're concerned about our life and we need to see what's going on in our life. But God's like, well, have you considered my life lately? (laughs) Just like he said to me, dude, will you fix it? Have you considered the resurrection? What are you trying to talk to me about the resurrection? Don't you see I'm tormented here? (laughs) Oh, Greg, everything's wrapped up in that, bro. Everything's wrapped up in the word of a life that overcomes death. That life is in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for anointing us with your life. Thank you, Father, that uh, you've given us the full measure of your Spirit. Thank you, Father, that your life is dwelling in us and that it's come and grabbed all of us by the hand and it's leading us to the place where we live our days in this world walking in the light of your life, that we live our days in this world beholding what manner of love you've bestowed on us, that we find ourselves resting in your bosom, we find ourselves seen into your bosom and being put to rest. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. Amen. Glory to God. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much.